Hey everybody, this is Tasia from Love Light Home Design, your home harmony healer and the creator of the holistic harmony impact system that measures your quality of life and how your space and surroundings impact you. And here we have Leah Gerlach. Hi Leah. Hello everyone, happy to be here with everyone again. My name is Leah and I am an energy leadership and transitions coach. So yeah, what are we talking about today? Today, we are going to be talking about stress and stress levels to see how we can support everybody in their homes with stress, because I know everybody's stressed. I'm stressed, Leah's stressed. I'm sure everybody's stressed, but just to different levels. So we're going to be chatting about that today. Yeah. So um, you know what, Leah and I really wanted to access stress because stress comes from Different, it comes to everybody in different ways. So we're going to be talking about, you know, how um, males and females look at stress differently, how children, elders look at stress, maybe stress during this time of COVID, what are certain things that you can do in your space and for yourself. And um, if we have a little bit of time, I would love to, t um, to touch on um, anybody who is dealing with um, somebody at home who is in the autism spectrum and who has ADD and ADHD, because these are also very like um, they play an important part in stress for themselves and the family. So that, I think that's what we're going to cover today, Leah. Yeah. And an important point is um, depending on our perspective on situations that are occurring in the home, especially these days, uh, will really determine how much of a stress reaction we're having as opposed to responding to our environment. So we'll be talking about that as well. Yes. Okay. So let's start off. You know how we always like pretty casual things. So um, I, I did a little bit of like looking into male and female stress to see how different we are. Um, I think it's, you know, we always talk about like men are from uh, Mars, women are from Venus. Um, I don't really take that component. I think it's more, you know, personality and culture and things like that, that attribute towards, you know, how you, you, you look at how you, the symptoms of stress. I do see, and Leah, you know, tell me if I'm wrong, like when it comes to the men, um, physical symptoms come up like headaches, constipation, heartburn. I know a lot of men who get heartburn. Maybe they have like rapid heart rates. I knew a gentleman the other day who was so stressed out that he thought he was having a heart attack because he was having chest pains. And then all these phantom pains come up. Obviously, there's anxiety, uh, restlessness, anger. Um, whereas the women, they deal with it more with headaches, difficulty with sleeping, sometimes overeating. I know that when I'm stressed, I tend to eat a lot of chocolate and a lot of chips. <laughs> and, um, you know, you have a, a lack of uh, energy, you have big mood swings. That's why some people say, you know, why are you one way? Why are you the other next day? You feel out of control. You feel forgetfulness and loss of memory. Like these are things that I like for me as a woman, I know I can relate to. Leah, do you have anything that you want to say on like symptoms? Yes. So the, the energy behind our thoughts and emotions are, are, definitely geared towards how it's going to affect us mentally and physically. And all those symptoms that you just mentioned, it's directly related to the energy behind our thoughts. So when we're in, in an environment right now with COVID, and we're not quite sure how to navigate within the home, depending on each person's, uh, you know, situation, uh, we, we need to take a step back and really look at is the energy behind our thoughts and emotions a positive one or a negative one? Otherwise, it will take a toll mentally and physically. And recognizing the, the feminine and the male energies and working together collaboratively to try to come to some sort of uh, resolution about how we can work together. Sure. Totally agree. So I know we're going to, you know, we are going to be talking about how you relate to these in the space, but I do want to talk about children first and elders because um, children, they have similar symptoms, but they relate in different ways. And if you are a parent at home right now with children, um, I'm sure you want to recognize some of the symptoms that are going on because it 
it's, it's going to come up. So children, I guess, will behave differently um, depending on their age and their environment. So um, most children are going to start talking back because they're going to start having lots of different challenging behaviors coming up. They might develop, you know, different kinds of habits. So, you know, you may see a child start biting their nails, sucking their thumb. Um, they have difficulty concentrating. A lot of them have a lot of difficulty concentrating. Um, maybe different fears are coming up for them. So say, for example, they're suddenly afraid to be by themselves. Um, they're afraid of strangers or somebody coming to the door. And, um, you know, they, they might be starting to have trouble in school. I, I know um, somebody who was saying to me, um, the child started really um, expressing a lot of anger and acting up in the classroom all of a sudden, which was not normal for him. Um, maybe they refuse to go to school because, you know, there are certain triggers are in place. Perhaps your child is becoming more withdrawn. Um, and that's not a good sign because the socializing, uh, socialization aspect is coming around. And if they're young enough, they might be bedwetting. So these are a lot of different components that you might see, different symptoms that you might see with children. Yeah, and I think that it ends up being a domino effect because what's happening is the kids are reacting to their uh, to their new circumstances and they don't necessarily know how to express themselves. So they are reacting as opposed to responding. And then we, depending on where our energy's at, we're reacting to them reacting. Yes. And then everything is chaos. So understanding that we need to, to really uh, be in a space of, of perspective for ourselves so that we're not reacting to our kids reacting and we are responding to, uh, you know, we're responding to their energy. And if, and, and, and it's like unconditional in the way of, you know, we don't, they can't express themselves and we understand that they may not be able to express themselves. So when we're in a good place with ourselves, we're able to respond to their outbursts or their, their new habits, like you mentioned, and work together to see what what may fit. I mean, we may have three children and each one has a, a, a different way of, of um, you know, what's what's the word? Like a, a, like a different way of, of responding to to their environment. And we need to to sit with each of them and see what what will work. But if we're reacting to their reactions, we don't really move ourselves forward into any solution. Very true. And um, before I, we, we really start on the space aspect, we're just going to touch on the elders. I mean, anybody who is a senior, if you have somebody living with you who is um, a senior or perhaps not living with you, but you are, you know, um, communicating with them, they come, they have um, similar symptoms that we talked about, not so much the children, but the adults. But I think one of the bigger things that comes up for them is um, the physical aspect, because they start having aches and pains that they never started having before. Um, definitely a lack of focus and concentration, forgetfulness, you know, it, it projects very much like the start of dementia. Um, some project like Parkinson's, even they, though they may not have it. Um, they may have um, chest murmurs, you know, you know, things that come up because they, they're stressed out. So when a person is stressed, you know, it has a, an extreme physical toll on their bodies, on the physical aspect of them. And um, the immune systems might start dropping. Um, they, they become a little bit more unbalanced. These are all things that um, you start worrying about obviously that's going to create more stress for you because when you're looking at you know those that you love who are more senior to you and they start having these symptoms you start getting really worried and in the time of covid you don't want to bring them to the hospital <laughs> right yeah absolutely and i'll i'll share a, a personal experience with that so my father, um, he had Parkinson's and the, the beginning stages of dementia. And so uh, I was in a space of trying to create opportunities to work with what, you know, we were presented with in that moment. So I actually went to, uh, to the dollar store and I bought puzzles. 
and really help to, first of all, take his focus away uh, from all the emotions that were coming up for him and frustration that was coming up for him, that he wasn't able to do the things that he, you know, that he once was able to do. And it really helped to strengthen his muscles in the brain, in the hands. And it was fun because we would, we would just play with it and have fun. It wasn't about, you know, these puzzles having to be perfect and, you know, an opportunity just to joke around and, and really embrace, you know, what is and, and just be. You know, it's funny, Nia, because my father-in-law has Parkinson's and I was just on the phone with him Mm -hmm. um, the other day, encouraging him and my mom-in-law to take out a puzzle. Now, um, when I first introduced puzzles to him, I have puzzle pieces up up to a thousand pieces and he can't do them. So I bought him like two, two, three hundred piece puzzles. Puzzles are great because you know, like, as you said, you know, it's all about the, you know, like um, your, your muscle memory, your muscle movement, it, it, it um, communicates with a part of your brain that enhances that part. And what also happens is that you, you, the problem solving part of your brain tries to figure out where to put it. And the memory part of your brain figures out where they've actually seen a part of the picture before. So there are many different parts of the brain that are doing that. And I told them, I said, don't only do the puzzles every day, you know, put that out. But also, you know, play cards, do memory game cards, um, because and don't do it on the computer. Don't do it on your iPad, because when you're actually lifting your hands and doing it, it utilizes different parts of the brain, which actually exercise your brain better than if you were to do it, say, on a computer, an iPad or your phone. So I was just talking to them about that. And and it's just believing because it should be calming. And I said, don't go and do puzzles that are too hard. Because then you have a sense, you don't have a sense of achievement, you get frustrated, it just causes more stress. So exactly, you you really want to be aware of, you know, where that particular person is at in their disability. So uh, in my in my particular case, uh, my dad also experienced a lot of strokes. So it was keep it simple. Yeah, simple very, very, you know, they were like puzzles that you, you would purchase when the kids were, were younger, Um, just not to overwhelm them. So it's just addressing, you know, what exactly you're presented with and every situation is different. But I think the, the whole point is, is that you're not reacting to what is, and you're looking for opportunities to make it work. And so when, when we have that type of perspective, we're able to bring joy to any situation. True. All right. So let's talk about, now that we've talked about all the symptoms and all the things, let's talk about what we can do in our spaces to reduce stress. So, you know me, I'm all about design. I'm all about, you know, with the, the um, home harmony healing system, we take a look at design, but with access for people with organizational systems and for wellness points through the, um, the helpful harmonization systems. So I would say um, there are a couple of things that we always need to note. Firstly, we always need to make sure that we have a routine in place in our space. Now, what do I mean by that? So each room in our either our home or where we work has a function. So say, for example, in our homes, We have the kitchen, we have the bedroom, we have the living room, we have the dining room. And now that we're working from home, we are utilizing each of these rooms in different ways. But the thing is that when you actually set up focus for each room, you actually create a routine around the room, even if it's temporary. So if your bedroom, one, you know, if, if say, for example, in COVID, you have to work in the dining room, then make sure that the function during specific times is related to only that. So if you're working in your dining room, make sure that your brain is now trained to a specific time routine. So if you're starting say at nine o'clock to um, say five o'clock, then that's it. Don't go into another period of time because what happens is your, your brain starts fighting with you. Your subconscious mind starts fighting with you about time frames because what's dinner time then? What is rest time? Same thing for your bedroom. I usually would say do try if you can not to have your workspace in your bedroom. Your bedroom is should solely be a place that you set up for um, a peaceful environment, a, a place of um, self-relaxation and enjoyment. And if you, if you place 
the function of a bedroom as also a place of work, then what your brain is going to do when you're trying to sleep and you're trying to heal at night or you're trying to rest is that it's going to go towards work because you've, it's now experienced work in your bedroom. So what very important, very important point to um, helping us as individuals actually implement the life work balance that we so, so desperately need right now, because we don't have the separation of going to work and coming home and it's all within the home. So creating that space is really important in order to have that, that life work balance. Well, what a lot of people don't really realize, and I've learned this when I was an intervener, when I was training to be an intervener for the deaf blind, is how much the subconscious mind actually looks to daily routines. So to give an example, I wake up in the morning, I go and brush my teeth, I wash my face, and then I I dress myself, I maybe put on my makeup, then I go and have breakfast. And my pets, so my two cats and my dog know my routine like to the T. So until I finish doing whatever I need to do and leave my bedroom and leave my bathroom, they will not get out of bed. <laughs> they just sit there and they nicely wait for me. Now, if we have this kind of structure every day, sometimes we don't realize that that's the routine. And if it changes, everybody gets confused, even ourselves, our subconscious mind gets confused. And, and so maybe during the time of COVID, we are changing that a little bit because instead of getting on a train or a bus or you know, driving the highway to work where we see something else, we are doing it from home, but we're still setting up um, pathways within our brain that give us messages based on a specific routine. And when you try and move from that routine in your space or the way your brain perceives that space, that's where we get into trouble. And that's where stress starts to arise because your brain starts doing that to you. It challenges you with that. Yes. And, you know, being mindful of the fact that we cannot control a lot of circumstances that arise. So what we do have control over is how we respond to those situations. And what exactly what you said about bringing the unconscious conscious and recognizing that we have a choice and whether we're aware of it or not, we do make choices in every situation. So the question is, what choice are you making? And I will address through our conversation today, uh, to bring some some awareness, what choices that you may not be aware that you're making and what choices are available to you? Okay, so let's talk about um, the sensory input because remember your brain takes on sensing your environment. We've talked about that in the last few sessions. And whether you realize it or not, it's, when you're looking at your home, it's not just visual, it's auditory, you know, the acoustics that go on within your home, um, it's your sense of smell, your sense of feeling, your sense of taste. So let's look at relaxing spaces because when we talk about an environment where we want to calm the stress down, I mean, you know, say for example, your mom, you have children schooling from home, they're running around, things are going on, you need a space to go to relax. So in, in the last episode, we talked about having based on your personality, you know, if you are a person that doesn't feel a space and you want to have a lot of white space. But um, if you know, if you're recognizing, as Leah said, that your body, you're physically or emotionally or mentally reacting to a situation and it's not positive. So say, for example, you feel a building on your chest. Where are the places that you can go in your home that you set up to rest? So I just said the bedroom, for example, the bedroom for me. And, and you have to, you have to find your own space or corner or set it up. So for me, the bedroom is a, a space of where I go for healing. It's a space where I need to be alone. It's a space of solace. So what I do in my bedroom is that I have very soothing colors in my space. Some people paint their walls white. Some people have different colors. My personally, my wall is kind of like a dove blue gray. Um, I can't remember what the name of it was, but I think it was serenity. And even that color, you know, even that word, you know, brings peace to my mind. But I have white bedding and I have very soothing pastel-like artwork within the room and lots of things that make me feel like I'm in a peaceful place. And I just jump on my bed. I have all these pillows that I surround myself with that I hug and I go into a place where I can just um, decompress. Now, you know, for you, if that's a place, if your bedroom is like that, then use that. Some of you may have meditation corners. 
Some of you may want to use your bathroom because really there's no place. So if, you, if the only place in your home is your bathroom, don't fret, don't go into whatever. Create a spa-like place in your bathroom. Have like um, bath salts. If you have a bathtub, make sure that you have things nearby that um, not only soothe your skin, but also soothe your sense of smell. And then maybe have music. I have a little handheld radio in my bathroom that I start playing, not talk radio, but some kind of music to put my mind into a state. Yeah, and and I think it's very important. I was just going to ask you the question, what do people do when they don't have a, a, a large space? And so you just address that question without me even asking it, because it's very <laughs> important because we're trying to, to de-stress, uh, you know, to our circumstances. So we don't want people to feel that, well, I don't have such a large space that, that they can't do it. And it, even if it's a corner, like you said, everything's possible. And again, it comes down to perspective. How are you looking at your space? Can, are you looking for, for the opportunity or possibilities that in any particular area, you can make it happen? Or are you remaining a victim to your circumstances and your space? So say, for example, a lot of people have asked me about corners. So I give you an example, like I don't live in a very large home. I, I've done that on purpose because I don't like big, I like to feel cozy. So I have created a tiny little table. So I took this little um, table that my mother-in-law had and I am painting it like this very soothing white gray color. It's tiny. And what I have inside there are all my exercise equipment. And on top of it, I have um, some crystals. I have this beautiful black and white picture of um, wheat like long grass and wheat, because I like the, um, the, uh, how they, they look like the swaying in the breeze. And I have this picture on the wall in front of it. Now, this little cabinet probably is not going to be more than like two feet wide, and it's not very tall. And what I did was I went and bought, because I liked the picture of this long grass and the wheat behind it, I actually went and bought this transparent vase that's in a pale blue color, because remember, blue is supposed to be calming. It reminds somebody of water. It soothes your senses. That's one of the things that blue really does. It's a yin color, a relaxing color, a womanly feminine color. And even to the men, it can be relaxing. Don't worry. So, and I went and bought these like pampas grass, like these, you know, like right now the trend is pampas grass. And I know it may sound very bohemian, but it's very soothing because when you look at it, I love um, trying to connect with nature. And sometimes, especially in Canada, like right now, the skies are great. It's raining outside and there's, it, there's ice on the ground. So I don't really want to go sit outside right now. So I sit in front of this lovely little tiny little thing and I just look at it. And you know what? It brings me to an absolute place of peace. Now that's for me. But that, that's an example of how to set up a little corner. Yes. And I, and it, that's an important thing to note because again, it's about our perspective. We're, we're altering our perspective to our environment. And so what happens is when we do that, we're able to see possibilities and what can I do with that space? Yeah. So how you would set up a space is the first thing um, that you want that, you know, will create relaxation for you is to ask yourself this question. What do you relax with? What are the colors that you relax with? So let's talk a little bit about color therapy. You know, if you look at bright dominant colors, we're not going to be looking at primary colors. So primary colors are very, um, you know, like those are things that little children prefer because their brains are still um, expanding, still learning. They're still trying to take things on. So primary, primary colors are very bold and they create bold emotion within you. So whether it's a bright yellow, a bright red, a bright blue or um, a bright green, if you notice it, they, they create an excess of energy within you. So we're not going to be looking at things like that. We're going to be looking at color systems that go towards not so much the pastels, but are not as saturated, something that is, is lighter. So whether it's a lighter green and everybody is going to re react and relate to colors differently. So look at colors and ask yourself, what are the colors that make you feel like you have, you're more grounded? You know, you're in a, a, a state of a more peaceful state. Like some people like like gray. Some people just want white. Some people need yellow, you know, like and, and people go, but yellow is a, a positive color and it's supposed to be enhancing. And I say, yes, but it depends on the kind of yellow. 
I remember going and looking at paint swatches and the way I chose it, no word of a lie, it's exactly what you're saying. If all of a sudden I got this smile on my face and I felt so good, I, that's how I always knew that was, that was the color that I'm going to paint. And that is the best way to connect with yourself is what, what emotion, you know, is brought as, so it doesn't matter if it's a paint color or anything. It's like, what, how do you feel? I always, I always tell people that, um, you know, pe people ask me as a designer, how do you design my space? And I say, well, we're going to look at your personality, you know, your personality and your design style, of course, because people want something, you know, you, you may be more modern or you may be more transitional, more traditional in, you know, say, for example, you like Cali, Coastal, whatever you like. But the one thing as a designer that I always insist on when I look at a person is I look at a person's face and what is delighting them. What delights you, folks, you know, and, and do the same with colors. Now, there's one exception to that. There's some people who want pure white or pure neutral. So they go towards the really grays or the really whites. And there's absolutely no color in their space. Now, I want to, to say this. When you do that, you are making sure that you are not stimulated. So ask yourself, why don't you want to be stimulated? Is the reason why you don't want to be stimulated because when you look at color or objects or decor within your space, you don't like the way you feel with the stimulation? Or is it because you feel overwhelmed with something? The only time that I have um, seen this happen so if you're on the autism spectrum, um, and we will talk about the autism spectrum slightly later here, is that when you, um, you cannot handle um, different colors because visually it's too much, your brain cannot handle it. Um, some people don't like to feel um, stimulated because uh, if you're not on the autism spectrum, some people don't like to feel stimulated simply because they feel like they cannot handle it. So that is actually an emotional response. Not so much that you actually need that because some people actually require a little bit of color or a little bit of line. So you need, you know, like a, an angular line in your face to create focus and motivation. But some people are trying to suppress it. Same thing with neutral colors. Some people think it's a trend to go neutral. It is not the trend to go neutral. It's a, tr it's a good thing to have neutral space to highlight color so that it, your brain adopts whatever it needs to adopt in a certain way. But to go totally neutral and to stamp out our emotion that maybe you want to watch for. And that brings us to, again, recognizing what actually aligns with you and going with that, because then you know your space is going to be a space of pure joy and peace. Yeah, very true. So, you know, since we're on color systems, let's just talk a little bit about a few colors that you may want to just kind of know about. So let's start with red. Now, Red um, is the color that I always tell people you have to be a little bit careful of because we associate uh, red with things like war, with something like blood, competition. Um, when you wear red, it sometimes, you know, if you're trying to strengthen or stimulate yourself, it may actually go in the opposite direction. Because it actually creates um, you using more energy with the color. So if you, like, try this, okay? Like, I'm, I'm thinking of, like, ways you can try it. Take red, take, like, say, uh, uh, something red and take something that is orange and take something that is yellow and put it in front of you and stare at it for, say, 30 seconds. You know, stare at each of these colors for 30 seconds. How do you feel after looking at these colors? Like, how do you, like, do you feel more tired looking at red? Because I know when I look at red, it makes me more tired. When I look at orange, it doesn't tire me out. And yellow definitely doesn't tire me out. And think of it this way. Uh, the reason why orange wouldn't tire you out as much as red is because orange, when you mix yellow and red together, becomes orange. So if you're trying to create and stimulate that same thing, that same kind of positivity, that same kind of focus, especially in a home office when you're trying to work, um, try out these things. If you don't know, try it out. Even if, when it comes to different tones and shades of, say, for example, blue. Some people love electric blue. I love electric blue. You know, I, I have, um, or you have a darker um, blue wall that you think is, you know, like fundamentally going to ground you. 
what tires you out more? If you don't know how the colors work and you just want an easy way and you don't want to spend money on painting a wall or doing things, just find colors, even if it's on your computer and look at it. See how it tires you. It sounds like you're saying for long-term, you know, of that feeling of peace and, and enjoying your environment, we should focus on, you know, which color brings us to that, to that level of serenity. So not too much and not too little, like that peace space yes. and for an extra peace, you know, boost, yeah. maybe having an area where we have that red, where we feel like we, we just, we want to, you know, pick me up. And if we're just talking around colors, I mean, there's many ways of getting a pick me up, but for colors, like for a short-term boost, maybe go to, to something that's red, but for long-term, you know, when you are in that environment for long periods of time, recognizing which color will actually bring that to you. So what is actually happening is, I mean, think of it this way, when you're actually um, talking about stress, the healthy and not so healthy ways of experiencing stress. Sometimes you want the stress, say for example, in my office, when I'm working, I want that little bit of stress because that motivates me. It makes me focus a little bit better. However, when, and I don't want to feel peaceful or serene, right? I want to feel motivated and focused. So what I'm saying is that you, you, because you want healthy stress, your brain, however, your subconscious mind associates colors and your body actually takes in the color. Your brain actually takes in the color and utilizes it in different ways. Red is the color with, um, the highest, sorry, the slowest rate of vibration. So the way your eyes perceive red, it's very slow and it has a very long wavelength and this tires you out. I mean, these are things that we don't know. And me as as an intervener who works with somebody who is, has um, very little visual and um, uh, auditory access. I know color systems that actually kind of create um, different kinds of vibrations. And when I talk about vibrations, your body is an energetic system. It has energetic impulses. It communicates through energy, right? And when you are trying to um, figure something out, your, your brain is trying to figure something that is seeing out. Um, red is one of those colors that really does tie you. So when you're in an office, not so that you don't use red. I mean, if red stimulates you in a positive way, so be it. But if you want to figure out whether it does stimulate you or whether it does tire you, use the system that I talked about. Take red, take orange, take yellow. Look at these colors and figure out which keeps you in in the same positive, healthy stress state. But at the same time, it gives you more energy than it fatigues you. Does that make sense? Yeah, it, absolutely. Because it's like I said, it's for the long term. Yes. So, you know, whatever energy we're bringing, it's like you said, energy vibrates. So whatever energy we're bringing now that that stressful energy that you were talking about is great for, you know, meeting deadlines and, and more like a protective mechanism that you need that boost of energy in the moment to motivate you long term, though. It's not sustainable. It's very draining uh, and it could be destructive. So it's implementing that more positive energy that's healing and constructive for the long term. True. So let's talk about other colors. You know, there may be other colors besides the red, orange, yellow spectrum that would, um, you know, be this, do the same thing. Green is a huge color for doing that. A lot of us don't realize how we communicate with nature. And when you look outside your window, you always look at green. Like I would want to see green grass. You know, when you look at green grass or green trees or, you know, when the leaves are coming out of trees, I am so happy. <laughs> it's, like, it's one of those things that makes me happy. And I have like, my husband always says, we have too many plants in the house. I'm like, I don't care. I need green. So if you don't like red and orange and yellow, green is huge. And you know what? It actually... We as human beings, whether we like it or not, require in some shape or form to connect with nature. It stimulates us. It makes us feel like we're growing. It gives our minds the fact that we are alive. We're being. It's just like when you look at the blue sky, you know, when the sun's shining and there's no clouds in the sky, how do you feel? Green is exactly the same color. Uh, um, That does exactly the same thing. So if you don't like red and all that in in, in your office, um, the way that you would impart green is some people don't like green decor. I just use plants. 
even one plant in your idea. office, you know, will bring you the same thing. Particular shades of green that you can suggest to our listeners? Um, well, again, use the kind of green that really um, makes you happy because there's so many different kinds of greens. You have grass green, you have forest greens, you have emerald greens, you have the, the, the greens that go towards more the, um, you know, like um, uh, royalty, like jewel, jewel tones. Some people prefer jewel tones than pastels. Like I personally do not like pastel greens and I don't like lime greens. They, they somehow don't stimulate me in the same way as if I was looking at emerald. Say an emerald green is something that I feel strong with. So not only do I look at that. So if I'm not having a plant, if I had something in front of me, then I'll do that. So I have right now a picture, a painting, a, a piece of a painting painted by a deaf student from Romania because I went there for a deafblind conference. And um, this little deaf student created this meadow with, um, I'm looking at it right now as I'm talking, with a sunset or a sunrise behind it, beautiful like um, green fields and green trees and like pops of like pink from like trees and uh, this beautiful river going through it. And every time I look at it, I feel such immense joy. That this little child could bring out just by this little painting, the feelings evoking in me. So to me, it's not so much what kind of green, it's like, what am I looking at? Maybe the subject or the topic matter, but what is it that is evoking it? And even as I look at it, I, I stared at it a million times and it always brings a smile to my face, always. So basically whatever green resonates with you, whatever, like you said, it evokes the, the emotion that really makes yeah. you smile and feel good. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, same thing with purple, lots of people. And remember, it also depends on your culture. It, depending on who's listening to us and, and de depending on the culture that you've brought up with, specific cult, um, cultures have colors that are important to them. So I am Chinese, even though I, I wasn't born, um, you know, in, in Asia, I was born in England, in Oxford, and I, I didn't really have like uh, cultural colors. But I do realize that specific colors for um, anybody who is from China or Korea, Japan, you know, even they have specific colors that are important. So red is an important color, but something like gold is a color that comes from the emperor. And they associate that with the color of royalty. Um, you know, like red is a very dominant color for um, the Koreans. So they prefer white because it goes towards purity. Um, say for example, um, uh, cherry, like a pink, uh, is associated with cherry blossoms that is associated with spring and life coming back. So there are those things what like purple. Uh, purple. Purple is, a, a okay, so for some people, it's a very calming color. It's very calming. A lot of people associate in the Western world, associate it with royalty, right? Like if you think of the color purple, it's a very rich color. It's some, something, we're not talking about lilac, you know, if we're going towards a jewel tone, people prefer purple in more jewel tones than they do in like lilacs. Right. Um, so. You know, they think of it as in that. But when I think of um, purple, I think of wisteria because I love gardening, ah. right? So really, what are the experiences do you, that you have in your life? You know, sometimes color resonates with you because of an experience. It reminds you of something, a story or a memory in your life. So, you know, like color is one of those things. I mean, purple is a very calming color, just like blue. Um, it, it, it puts you in a state of um, a peaceful place. You know, like for us in Canada and in many parts of the world, you know, when spring comes, we see the lilac trees and they start blooming. Well, purple is one of my, blue is my favorite color and second in line is purple. So I wanted to <laughs> purple. <laughs> so if you really think of it that way, you know, like um, it's just like turquoise. Lots of people like teal, well, the ladies like teal and turquoise. For some, it reminds them of the islands. Um, like a beach, you know, like it reminds somebody of a happy place. You know, sometimes you don't really want to go towards the turquoise, but you want to go to the teal because it feels a little bit more grounded. It's a, it's a richer color, but it's it's like a, a, a shared space of blue and green dancing together in symphony. And the way it makes you feel is more positive than if you were to take a royal blue. A royal blue feel makes you feel more strong. Have you ever seen turquoise water? Oh, yes. I love the islands. 
I love you. And it upsets me that we cannot travel right now. <laughs> it's coming. It's coming. All right. So that's um that's color therapy. And remember, color therapy is all about optical stimulation. It's a, a very specific type of stimulation that's easy to use, you know, compared to um, sense of touch, taste, and smell because you can put it around you and it, it and it can be a permanent fixture wherever you want it to be. And, and you also have, for those that prefer different, like it, say, for example, your olfactory, your smell, you know, use um, different kinds of essential oils. So for some of you that, you know, like, so think of it this way. If you want to be stimulated towards activating your brain, you know, remember I talked about um, you in an office in the kitchen, a lot of people don't realize how much um, smell comes from the kitchen. So you have lemons, lemons are fresh, they're citrus, same with oranges or grapefruits. You can either use fresh lemons to clean your counters, put in your dishwasher, put it, pop it into your water, it actually stimulates you, don't you think? I do, yeah. It's, uh, I'm very much into scents. I use candles all the time as well. And they stimulate you in such a way where it literally, it literally changes your state of being in that moment when you have sense that, that really resonate with you. But some people don't like, I I know like um, there's some people who are allergic to um, anything to do with pollen or flowers. So if you were to give them something like, um, you know, if we go towards a calming sense, something like lavender, it's not, you know, I used to think of lavender as an old lady scent. I've changed my mind. I need it every night for me to be able to sleep. But, uh, and, and I don't necessarily have to put it on as a perfume to make me smell good, but I need it to like go to a peaceful state because it really does bring you to a peaceful state. But some people cannot handle floral scents. And, um, you know, scents like jasmine, scents like um, lavender, geranium they they you know it causes an allergic reaction so if you don't want that and if citrus scents are too strong for you then go towards something that's a herb so um basil something like um basil um something like um you know um i I think uh fennel you know clary sage uh a lot of people have may have frankincense around valerian and we all take calomel um scent you know calomel for um, you know, as a tea, but it can also be a scent. So these are all like huge scents you can use. You can always Google it on the computer. Use scents in your in your kitchen or in the place that you're you're doing stuff, especially in your bathroom. If you have it in your bath, when you're taking a nice, lovely bath, put the scents in, put the essential oils in. Yeah. And so I think that, you know, the the biggest point to make here are there are so many options. It's about recognizing what your needs are and what the needs are of everyone that's in the home to, to make everything harmonious and live uh, with responding and less stress and having a less of a stress reaction to our surroundings and what we're doing right now is bringing the awareness of the options available to us and working together within the home instead of, you know, almost washing our hands to there's nothing we can do about this. Yeah. There, and, and it's, you know, that alone, knowing that there's options, it's, it's a, a stress reliever. Well, I'm thinking about this, like right now, a lot of us, um, whether or not we're like for me in Mississauga in Canada, I'm under stay at home order still. And I, I really am not supposed to leave my house unless it's for essential, for something essential. And, um, you know, maybe a lot of the people who are listening, you know, of our friends who are listening right now, you know, you're not under stay at home orders, but you may not want to go out as much and you, you want to stick it to your home until, you know, you're vaccinated and things are safe. So these are easy ways with things around you that you already have in your home that can help you. So I want to talk a little bit besides the sense, you know, um, remember we talked about how male, female children and seniors deal with certain systems. I really want to speak to that right now, because the way we deal with it is slightly different. We all know that or maybe we do know that to deal with stress, you know, we, we talk about, you know, you've probably heard like meditate a little bit, 
And you don't have to go into deep meditation, but like sit and go into a calm state if you don't know how to meditate. Or like walk with nature, be with nature. And um, breathe. And breathe, yeah. But the, you know, the, there is also, we talk about exercise, fun, and eating. So I want to kind of like just touch on that a little bit because the way the, um, the gentlemen and the ladies deal with that is a little bit different. So with the gentlemen, it seems like exercise is a huge way of dealing with stress. And the men normally keep a lot of things inside. And remember I talked about um, the gentleman I know who recently had to go and he was feeling chest pains and it's probably because he was so stressed out. You know, he's trying to deal with everything. But the gents from the gents I know anyway have, have been taught to keep things internally and exercising actually allows them to move in such a way that that comes out. And the male energy tend to want to fix things. And when yes. they don't feel that they can fix anything, then it shows up physically like this gentleman that you're talking about. Yep. And so exercise is a great outlet um, for, for circumstances that are out of our control. Yeah. So um, even, I mean, if you have weights and all that at home, use them. I'm sure a lot of, a lot of um, our friends are, are using that. But yoga, now I don't really practice yoga simply because I don't have a lot of space in my home to do it. And then when I do it, my dog and my two cats come and climb on top of me. So it doesn't exactly feel very yoga-like. But, you know, if you don't have, you know, like somebody that's in your face or a pet that's in your face, try yoga out. Um, if not, you know, maybe something like hobbies. What is the hobby that speaks to you? Now, my hobby when I need to stress relief is the, the craziest thing. My husband thinks I'm insane. I need to watch movies that don't tax my brain. So I was just telling um, some friends yesterday that the lovely movie, The Meg, one of the most unintelligent movies ever. <laughs> um, I think I've watched it like 20 times. You know why? Because it doesn't tax my brain. I can just watch it. It's fun to watch. It's kind of like, I don't even have to think about what I'm watching. And it's, uh, but I watch it over and over and over again, because what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to bring my brain to a peaceful state. It's not learning really anything new, you know? And um, so that's what I do. But do you have another hobby if you don't want to watch movies or sports, maybe something else? Yeah. And it, it all comes down to changing your state of energy. So for me, I love putting music on and dancing like nobody's watching. <laughs> It is, it, it, it gets us out of that. I can't control the situation and we're feeling miserable and it, it does, it changes your state. So whatever suits you go for it. Yeah. Another thing that the men um, do um, is that they start withdrawing. They isolate themselves because you know how you spoke to the fact that they feel like they can't fix it. So they don't feel, you know, it takes, you know, their, their self-worth takes a beating and, you know, to really understand that sometimes there are some things that you just can't fix. And I, I get it. You know, it's, it's, it's how you've been taught. So rather than withdrawing and isolating yourself and, and feeling, you know, starting to go down the path of um, anxiety and maybe depression, start socializing with people. If you find that it's hard for you to socialize with family, socialize with friends, you know, hop onto a Zoom call, call somebody try and socialize with somebody because that will bring you into a state that you're actually doing something uh, meaningful for yourself. And sometimes we don't even realize the effect that it'll have a, on us in a positive way. Mm -hmm. And this actually happened. Um, I had spoken to a friend who, you know, we just couldn't see each other. So we had spoken in the past about doing zoom calls and, you know, having a conversation and it, it just didn't happen. Another day went by, another day, another day went by. And then finally we, we got together and it, now I'm on zoom all day, but she's not. And it was just amazing. You know, her whole outlook changed. Like she felt like one second, like when you're in a state where you think you can only go and see the person physically to feel good then you are blocking yourself off from any opportunity of feeling good. But she opened up to the opportunity of doing a Zoom and she recognized that even though it was a Zoom and you couldn't actually be, you know, physically close to that person, 
it completely changes your your outlook on wow like I just had a full conversation in a relaxed mode sitting on the couch (laughs) hanging out you know and so being open to to trying new things to figure out what actually works for you and you just never know how that might transpire for you yeah so how about the ladies let's talk about the ladies so um for all our friends out there who are feeling stressed you know you do the same things that i talked about you know that the men do but there are different kinds of challenges that the ladies meet so being mothers being nurturing you know trying to cope with careers and all that and the ladies always seem to be a little bit more emotional the first thing i would say is allow your emotion i just was talking to leah about that last week i had um been feeling um kind of upset with myself you know for breaking down a little bit because you know i feel i need to be stronger i'm a lady you know everything is going to work out and everybody said to me you know what tasia just allow just allow the release it's okay you know it, it sometimes it's necessary so if you need to feel the emotion don't feel bad for feeling emotional let it out because it is a release mechanism for your body it's it's about being human and looking at it from the perspective that it's actually necessary in order to move ourselves forward. Yes. So don't think that you're being a victim to yourself or the circumstances, because unless you're staying in it and you don't move from it, then yes, we will have to work on that. That's, you know, a different circumstance. But if you just need to release for the moment so that you can move on and feel better about it, it's as, as Leah said, it's essential. And it also is more positive towards your self-esteem because if you, if you, if you hold it in, it's, it's just going to take a, a downward spiral and then it starts, you know, becoming anger or depression or frustration. And, and we just don't want to go there. Exactly. You know, sincerely. And um, a lot of, a lot of women have started channeling it based on creativity. So if you feel okay, that you have a creative bone in your body. (laughs) And, you know, like, um, take paint, you know, if you have the dollar store that near you, you know, I I right now do really don't want to go to, um, to buy like expensive paints, because I just want to splash around. So go and get like simple and inexpensive paints that you can just create your own things, go and buy, um, you know, like boards. Um, I started I bought little things so I could um, create vision boards for myself by cutting things from magazines that make me smile. You know, what do you envision your life to be like in a, a couple of months? You know, how do you want to feel even a vision board about how you want to express your emotion and how you want to feel is great. Or, you know what, one of the biggest things that people, you know, a lot of us have realized that we want to focus on gratitude. So we do gratitude journals. But a lot of us have forgotten to do one thing that will help you out the most. Set doable goals. Mm -hmm. If you want to set a goal, don't set goals like 10 months in the future. Set just a goal for your day. What is is your day going to be like? Well, unmeasurable. But we want, we want, before we actually implement any goal, we want to prepare um, a realistic goal and the baby steps that we need to take in order to reach that. So, you know, there's three, there's three parts. There's the, you know, do you want to tackle the big, the big thing right now, which might not be realistic or the bare minimum? No, we want to sort of take the middle ground of what is achievable and then work through the process of setting those goals. Yeah. And you know what, like I I give an example um my husband hates clutter and whenever the house feels a little bit cluttered he goes on this little rampage that stresses me out because I kind of like clutter sometimes I like I like looking at things so for example we were looking at the kitchen cabinets the other day and you know for some people the kitchen is overwhelming because it creates emotional triggers you don't want to throw out food and all that so all I did was take one cabinet just one cabinet I took everything out of the cabinet and I put it back and that took me what 20 minutes and that was my goal for the day. End of story. I achieved it and it made me happy. And it was a sense of achievement and it didn't overwhelm me. Exactly. And, uh, and again, with perspective, it's, it, goals don't have to be the, the, the big grandiose things that we achieve. If we achieve the good feeling of accomplishing something that's making us feel good, then that's, that's the goal. Yeah. Ultimately. 
I, I know, um, you know, somebody introduced me the uh, one bag a day goal where you take one bag of things and you just sort through that. And, you know, I don't know whether it's the 15 day challenge or the 20 day challenge. I haven't done it, so I don't really know. But, you know, if that's something that you can do, that's one bag a day. That's as simple as that. Yeah. And just as long as the, the goals are, are realistic. Yeah. Because I know a lot of, you know, a lot of you are overwhelmed right now. Okay. So before we go on, I just want to very quickly touch on, I said, we we're going to touch on children. Now we've talked about routines and changes. So with children, one of the big things that happens with children that causes stress for them is, you know, a lot of them are working at home right now that they're, they're online studying. And when you do online studying, there's a lot of academic pressure that comes upon a child to be to note that but also what happens is that remember we just talked about male and female stress when you have instability it stresses your child in big ways so if you start trying to eliminate the stress for yourself it actually helps to eliminate that also an overly packed schedule if we talk about you being overwhelmed if a child is equally overwhelmed they're going to be stressed so what do you do we, we talked about having um, rooms set up for different things so say, for example, right now, everybody is using the family room. You use it for online studies. Maybe you have a couple of kids in the house. Some have to use the family room. Some have to use the bedroom. Some have to use the dining table. You're working from home. You don't have specific places set up. But remember, I talked about the time. If during the time of day, this place is allocated for something that you're doing, say studying or working, there also has to be an allocation for rest in that space. Train your brain for rest. So if it's either you know coming together to watch a family movie or a game night set up a routine for that space your child will serve be served better for it yes and i and i truly believe that recognizing each individual's needs and working together to accommodate those needs will relieve the stress it it, it it's it's a collaborative effort it's, it, it's not, we can't just take the control of, I think it should be this way. It's about including everyone in the decision-making that, that offers each person to address their particular needs and, and working from that space. And, and the one thing that I would say with the kids that, are, you know, we've, we've spoken to it many times, and it's the same thing with the elders. Um, the one thing that we always forget to do you know, I, I've seen a lot of parents when I work with them in the homes, they go, well, my child is too young to understand this. Ah, it's not really necessary. And I always say this, no, you need to respect your child. As long as a child understands a concept, a thought, or the fact that they want to make a choice, it doesn't matter whether the child is one or the child is, you know, you know, is a teenager, you need to respect their way of doing something in this space and talk to them about it, communicate with them, ask them, don't take over because the moment you take over and you do things your way, because otherwise it's a highway, it's like, this is a, a massive stress component for your child. Always. That is, uh, that is like the bomb of, of stress reaction within the home. So it's, it's when we take other people's power away and it, that's that control just adds chaos. So allowing for self-expression, obviously with boundaries, but allowing for self-expression, it will, will reduce that stress. Very true. Okay. I said, um, and we were very quickly going to run through this. And what I would do is maybe in a future episode, we'll delve into this a little bit more is I really want to talk about um, those of you at home or those of you trying to understand um, loved ones who are dealing with children on the autism spectrum and with ADHD or ADD um, because they are huge stress components um, for somebody in a home. So let's talk about autism spectrum first. So with the autism spectrum, um, you have um, extreme sensitivity to um, something that's visual or acoustic. So say for example, you know, I, I gave an example the other day of pots banging on the stove. That already irritates me. Don't talk about, you know, somebody who has autism. But what about, you know, something that you may not, you know, like for, for somebody who doesn't have sensitivity, not even notice, like the humming of a refrigerator. 
the um, the sound of a dishwasher going, the TV, there is a specific buzzing that comes out of electronics around you. And anybody on the autism spectrum is, is highly sensitive to these things. The same thing with color. You know, they cannot handle um, differentiations in color or patterns. So they need something that is extremely neutral because their brain cannot process it. What is happening is that their brain cannot process it. So let's look at it in different ways. Usually when it comes to sound, one of the biggest things that you can do with a child who is reacting to this, and I know that parents who have children at home with this spectrum probably already know this, but I'm speaking to those of you out there who may not know this and who you know, have a little bit more compassion because you may know somebody who's dealing with this, especially during COVID. Can you imagine what's going home? Understand that they need to set up systems for themselves to calm the child so that the child is not challenged or the brain is not challenged by what is being communicated. So usually parents, um, they either do a soundproof room or they, um, I would say, I love calling it the little pillow talk room, you know, where they put buffers around them to dampen specific sounds or they don't have electronics within the space where a, a child can throw themselves upon the floor. You know, even the creaking of floorboards creates a stimuli in, in that, doesn't, that, that comes out in a different way. Which and brings back to what you were saying. So about recognizing each individual's needs. But when you were mentioning about us personally with the, with the color swatches, take a look at each of those colors, the red, orange, and yellow, and see what, what really evokes the emotion that, that you want with it. And I think it, by the sounds of it, it's the same with those on the spectrum. It's um, a little bit different because the spectrum is, is it's how your brain processes it. They can't help it. So, they, you know, the way they react is so violent sometimes to a situation that the, the first thing that the parent wants to do is just calm them down, bring them to a space that they're not being stimulated. And so because it's it's although we don't really understand certain things, it's a, a reaction that they need to come from. So uh, when I work, um, when I'm intervening with individuals who are deafblind, there's certain things that stimulate them that they cannot help and they stim. So say, for example, um, I was working with, uh, at the charge conference, charge is uh, just like Down syndrome. Sometimes you're born with charge and we had to bring this individual in the elevator a hundred times going up and down, up and down, up and down to calm the individual down. These are things that a lot of people don't realize, but it's just that the brain needs to go to a state. It's, 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 it's got itself into a little tizzy. So it's not the same as you and I would react to any color or any kind of stimuli. It's a little so, bit. In, in uh, like when we're trying to figure out what is the calmest thing for our children, would you suggest uh, allowing them to, let's say, see these colors and see which one they react well to so that we can bring that into their environment? Well, usually for um, anybody who, who is on the autism spectrum, we know that they require colors that don't have any contrast. So okay. say, for example, I would bring them to um, whites or something like grays or like a taupe, something that doesn't have contrast. Everything needs to look the same. So if I had, say, for example, um, a white wall and then I suddenly have blue on it, that may stimulate, overstimulate them. They're, they're sensitive to that. So we're going to that now. So I know that the parents would understand that. How about ADD or ADHD? Now that goes in a totally different direction because ADD or ADHD is, um, it's where they're fidget. You know, they, they have attention deficit. So when you have colors or systems in place, so I give an, a very classic example. If you are a parent with a child with ADD, you need to make sure that you, the home doesn't have a lot of stuff because what happens is that, or like visual, visual stuff, you need to put it behind closed doors because when their brain looks at it, when they look at, um, you know, say for example, you have a lot of decor on the house, their brain goes to what's that, what's that, what's that? And it, it becomes like overstimulated and they want to know, then they start fidgeting. So if you put things behind closed doors, the brain doesn't do that. So what we, you would make sure that you have in place is organizational systems that everything is put away so that the brain doesn't get distracted. It's basically the distraction of the brain. Exactly. It allows them to keep their, their focus very leveled. Very leveled. 
Also, what usually happens with a child with ADD or ADHD is that color systems, because color systems are important for them. So remember, we talked about primary colors where you have the blues, the yellows, you know, the reds and all that. I would say it's not about bright colors because bright colors would overstimulate the brain and distract them. You need to give them colors that are saturated. So we talked about that a little bit just now. So remember, I talked about green. So green, um, if your child likes the color green, you're going to want a color that is saturated. So like moss or like a forest green, or maybe like a sage green, something like that, which is a very strong saturated color, not light, but not bright because the, the brain picks it up in a different way. Same thing with oranges. You don't want, say, a, a bright orange, like, this, the, like a sun or a yellow. Um, you would want something that's more like a pumpkin orange or a terracotta, you know, something think, that goes along that line. Yeah, I think these yeah. are great tips and it really helps for for anyone who is, is still searching for answers of how to make things work. Yeah. And, and, and you think about it, like, I, I know a lot of, um, like my own nephew, I used to think that he had ADD and ADHD because he was all over the place. And I would say right now, if you're at home during COVID and, um, you know, especially if you're in a smaller home, um, we, we would say that for any child with ADD or ADHD, make sure they're not in a high traffic area with a lot of people going by because this is like they get distracted, put them in a space that is more silent or with background noise or white noise going on because it kind of um, just brings like, it harmonizes. I, I don't even want to go into like, you know, like your brain vibrations and all that, but you want to bring them to a state of calm. And the way to bring them to a state of calm is when they're not distracted. So put them in a room where they don't have all of that, put something in front of them. Like I, I just put um, a Himalayan salt lamp, you know, in a place nearby it's calming or like a terracotta vase or something that's wood in a place that so that the brain can still pick it up, but it's not overstimulated and leave them in that place away from everybody else. If you put them in a place with the rest of the siblings, where the people walking by, the TV is going, I would say, please don't put them in a room with the TV because, you know, and they, they just go to it. And find them a way, you know, for them to get up and move. Because anybody who is ADD, ADHD, if you expect them to sit down for long periods of time, that's just asking for trouble. I always tell people, you know, put, say, for example, a yoga mat nearby. Every half an hour, get them to get up, do stretches, tumble about, and then go back and sit down. It brings their body to a level system of feeling and less stress. Yes. And, you know, I know we don't have a lot of time left, but I do think that this is a topic that we should be bringing for our next episode um, because there's, there's a lot more we can really go deeper with that really might support a lot of our listeners. Yes. Okay. All right. Well, on that note, let's end here. talked enough we always like natter on so um i would like to say thank you so much for listening to this episode i hope that we have helped you or gave you some tips or ideas um to create a more calming peaceful space or if you want to like a positively like positive stress maybe that kind of space for yourselves again if you for me if you want to find me you can find me at lovelighthomedesign.com And you can just send me an email and I'll try and answer or connect with me. My phone number is there too. And I want to thank everyone too for listening. And there's, there were lots of great tips today and uh, always know that we are at choice. And for any, any listeners who would like specific support on any topic, please reach out to us. And for me, you can find me at Leah at personalchapter.com and my website, personalchapter.com as well. Uh, And I look forward to sharing this space with you next time. All right. This is Tassia signing out and saying sayonara. (laughs) Bye, everyone. Bye.